You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. I've done a few podcasts in the past on the media and some concern for their um, perhaps engaging in some of the same dirty pool play tactics as Trump because of the attacks on them by Trump. In other words, he's instigating in them sort of a reactionary desire to play gotcha uh, as he keeps calling them the enemy of the people and fake news, etc. It's only natural that they have a defense mechanism. They're human beings and you know, when he, when he continually attacks CNN, for example, it's, it's natural that CNN begins to look for stories to bash him. But And that's all problematic because we don't want to see our media become less objective uh, just because they're being attacked. We want them to stay the course and stay objective and stay as neutral as possible because that's what we like about the media. We don't believe the lies that they're the liberal news media. We don't believe the lies that they're hacks, that they're sensationalists, that they're only looking for money. We understand those are weaknesses in the media. We understand that those are areas of where they need some improvement. There have been patches of the media. There have been elements of the current quick news, get on top media that have resulted in sensationalistic news and items that are overblown and, and perhaps even faulty and mistaken because of a desire to get there first. We understand that that's a problem, but guess what? We live in the modern world. That's a problem for us all in all of our jobs. The internet and the instant access to everything has made everyone rush to judgment, rush to posting and thinking and being first and being on top. So that kind of criticism against the media is kind of lame because at the end of the day, they're just keeping pace with the rest of us losers as we continue to trip over our own two feet in a rush to get there first, to know everything because of the access to information being so great. And because there are no longer restraints in our society, or there are, but there are less restraints, and there's a freedom and a sense of wildness to make up truth and do all this crazy stuff, we're all engaging in that. We're all guilty of making mistakes. The best, you know, politicians, the best religious personnel, the best accountants and and doctors and firemen and, you know, and yes, media members are all guilty of making mistakes because of a desire to win, get there first, be on top. It's the American way now. There's pressure on us all. And we're all reacting sometimes to a flaw. We're making mistakes because of the pressure on us, of the instantaneous nature of our culture. So let's not pretend that that's just some problem inherent in the media. But even if we recognize then, okay, it's a problem in the media like it is in you and I. And even if we want and they have some, uh, they have on occasion because of the constant attacks and berating of them by everyone, not just by Trump, but by the Bernie supporters and by lots of citizens. Oh, the media can't listen to the media. They have gotten defensive and sometimes come outside of their lane, didn't stay in their lane and got a little bit aggressive and 
a little, you know, too hostile and maybe not as objective as we'd like them to be. And then, of course, there's Fox News, who doesn't know what objectivity is, never has. But to say that all of the media is like that, when it's a flaw that's happening because of our culture and times, is very, very destructive and awful and disgusting. Now, I've done a, po- I've done a podcast before telling you to watch all the president's men. Because of the importance of it shows really highlights the importance of media and it was a warning to current day media to please stay objective, get your sources. You know, don't don't just uh, anonymously write all these stories. Now, I have subsequently done some research and realized that a lot of these stories wouldn't get published absent anonymous sources so it's it's a little bit challenging to tell them you must have on the record sources or don't go with stories they can't really do that especially when you have a lot of whistleblowers on an incompetent and dangerous president those people are going to want to come forward anonymously because they're inside in other words you're not going to get the inside information you need to get to the people and then require those people to go on the record it's just people are looking out to save their own skins all the time you know, you wish more people would come forward while they're in there and take the lumps that are going to come because you know they'll get a big job somewhere else. You know they'll be considered a hero. If people came forward and went on the record more, even though it cost them their current positions, they'll get other positions, many more of them. You know, they'll, they'll also get a lot of harassment, though, and frankly, they're afraid of the Trump supporters and the dangers that might be there from their violence, from their wrath. So there's a lot of fear here, too. But it's mostly, I think, professional fear of losing their job that makes these sources go anonymously. But anyway, I did a podcast on that before that I wish the media did go get more on-the-record sources for their stories so that they could truly maintain their credibility in the face of all this onslaught of criticism. And I've done podcasts where I was concerned with their Losing some of their objectivity. But this podcast, I wanted to go back to supporting the media fully in this sense. Um, I am sick and tired of everybody on the left, on the right, everybody taking pot shots at the media. I'm sick and tired of people saying we need to ignore the media. I mean, even my own father, whose opinions I respect greatly and his views on politics and such, he's always stayed in tune with the news. He's a voracious reader. But he has a very negative opinion of the media overall now. And he has stuck mostly for the last maybe 10, 15 years to only watching the news via NPR, you know, uh, via PBS. He sticks to what he believes is the, is the objective source, not network news, places where it's not driven by profit, in other words. You know, PBS News Hour is... It's public broadcast service, right? So it's not commercial television. So making money is not their game, really. They're supported by donations. National Public Radio. Um, I'm not sure how they get their money, but the name of their <laughs> the name of their broadcast service sounds like they get donations. But the point is, he wants to stick to the places that really are staying objective. Maybe you're boring, too boring for most people. People like to watch the news and they want to see juicy tabloid-type issues. I watched the movie Network recently, saw again Faye Dunaway in her sensationalistic spin of the news. And she's looking for these crazy program ideas and they actually gave her the news. William Holden was a conservative, old-fashioned, 
you know, and he was the director of the news of this television station. And he had an affair with Faye Dunaway, but because she was hot, <laughs> but he totally disagreed with her idea of the world and her lack of morality and her, it all being about just making it an excitement of making money and what sells and, and the ratings. And that movie was made in 1976. That's, you know, almost, that's almost 45 years ago. And, um, and it's as relevant now written by the brilliant Patty Chayefsky, the late Patty Chayefsky. It's as relevant now as it was then. I mean, then it seemed like, then it was a satire. Then it was a joke. Then it made people laugh almost, you know, aside from the, the, the brilliance of the Peter Finch, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore scene, uh, that's something that fit even then. You know, there's always angst in society. There's always rebellion. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Fighting back. But the reality is the underlying story of how the media is so, you know, into chasing after uh, being first, being popular, that it was becoming tabloid TV, you know, head of the soothsayer when they did the show with peter finch it's all on a big stage and they spin around props and there's a soothsayer and a weatherman and it's all like a clown show a circus you know we haven't gotten that bad still we haven't so that that's still a farce even to this day that's still a black comedy in that regard but the part of it that actually has become true is you know losing focus of getting the news right sure it's still real today and scary but as much as i like network and it still holds up as a great movie to this day mostly because of the performances the direction of sydney lamette the great writing which all won oscars i mean lamette it did not win best picture strangely enough i mean it, it won everything but uh, the best picture and i believe best director went to rocky that year despite the greatness of all the president's men and network. Think about that. These great movies. And Rocky's a very good movie, I have to admit. But that's a people pleaser. These other ones are more challenging intellectual. And the acting, though, is so great. And Faye Dunaway did win Best Actress. Peter Finch, posthumously, won Best Actor. Beatrice Strait did, I think, two scenes, maybe only one. Uh, and won Best Supporting Actress, just because when she gets angry at William Hurt for having an affair on her, her crying scene. She says, I hurt, I hurt, don't you understand? <laughs> it was a very good scene, and she won Best Supporting Actress basically for one scene. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it raked in the Oscars, and Chayefsky won an Oscar for the screenplay. But, but Rocky won the award for Best Picture, and I think Avnet, John Avnet, won Best Director for Rocky, if that, my memory serves me correct, instead of the great Sidney Lumet. But um, those movies, All the President's Men, Network, dealing with the corruption of politics, dealing with the sensationalism of the media, corrupting the objectivity of the media, 1976, 45 years ago, still gigantic issues right now. See, that was post-Nixon. Those movies came out only a few years after Nixon resigned, following his impeachment. So that was a topic of importance. Flash forward 45 years, what's happening? We have a president we tried to impeach. We did impeach, but he was not, uh, the Senate did not uh, punish him. 
censor him or anything. Um, and we have media issues. But I want to step back away from all the criticism of the media that was done in network, the support of the media that was done by all the president's men. And I want to say, look, media personnel, most of them have gone to school, many of them to really good schools to teach them the practice of objective journalism. No matter what you might think, they're smarter than you at their jobs to shut the fuck up. That's my bottom line on people constantly bashing the media. Did you go to school and study for four years how to be someone in the media? No, shut the fuck up. I'm tired of people undermining the importance of education in our society. I'm tired of the internet culture and the fact that everybody can post their thoughts that they shit out after eat breakfast in the morning on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. I'm tired of the fact that that's creating a culture of people that don't respect those who have studied longer, worked more, and know more, read more about a particular field than them. You might think you have an opinion. You might even have an opinion. That doesn't mean it's a well-informed opinion. You might think a certain way about a media person, that they're just lying, that they're just spinning it, that they're out to make money. But you don't know anything about their life, where they went to school, what they were taught, and the fact that they're actually, unlike you, a professional in the field of journalism. Journalism, not just media, media, media. Journalism. They're a professional. And you're calling them out as being a, a hack. All of them. All of them, collectively. You call them out collectively. As if they're incompetent boobs and yet, they've studied and read and learned and worked in a field that you couldn't even begin to work in, dumbass. You can't even write three sentences together, media critic, let alone three sentences that anyone would bother getting through to read halfway through the first sentence. They'd catch three spelling mistakes and stop, dumbass. Media people have to know how to spell, use grammar, how to present themselves and speak. And yes, unfortunately, in modern culture, they have to look good, too, too often. That was well handled, by the way, in the movie Broadcast News. James L. Brooks is still a vastly underrated movie. If you go look on IMDb, I think it's, it's got like a 6.8 or something ridiculous. Maybe over 7, but barely 7.1. That's a great movie. Broadcast News is a great, great movie with wonderful performances by uh, Holly Hunter and... and uh, Albert Brooks, that part was actually written for Albert Brooks, who I, who I adore. I love Albert Brooks. And his friend, James L. Brooks, is a friend of his, his, and he wrote that wonderful role for him. And, of course, William Hurd, who was one of the great actors of the 80s and 90s. He really was. I mean, he, he was like the way Nicholson, De Niro, Pacino, uh, Hackman, and all that were, were great actors of the 70s. Uh, I put William Hurt right in that class of the great actors of the 80s, you know. He's, he's held up to this day. He stars in a lot of movies. But anyway, what, what broadcast news, wonderful satire, but also true about the media, didn't rip off the media, didn't make them all look like boobs, only the shallow character played by William Hurt, who was the pretty boy, who they wanted to be the network anchor because he looked good, where Albert Brooks didn't, and he had a sweating disorder, and William Hurt, turns out, will spin the news and lie and fake things to make you know, himself look good and the, and the story come off better. 
And Holly Hunter takes an ethical stand on that at the end and won't go away with him and won't be with him as a result of that. And Albert Brooks is sort of vindicated, even though he doesn't get the girl, he doesn't end up with a woman he loved, Holly Hunter. He is right that he was a shady character. So they all end up separated, not together at the end. It was a love triangle, but at the end of the movie, they're not all together, but at least Integrity won. Now, that's a beautiful movie, and I still believe in it, and that's the point of this podcast. Listen up. I still believe that television stations and especially the big newspapers that are always getting slandered by Trump nowadays, like the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they're still excellent sources of truth and great journalism. Just because the New York Times posts a, an op-ed by Pence or some other clown that, that says things that are just untrue, a lot of liberals say, that paper stinks now. They're allowing these people to get on there and say lies just because it's an opinion. Well, guess what? That's America. We can't censor people from having opinions. And we have to take the risk that they're going to be believed even when they're lies. Now, luckily... We've got places like Facebook and Twitter now silencing and and shutting down misstatements of fact when they're stated as fact. But when you talk about an op-ed in a newspaper, it's not stated as fact. It's clearly delineated as opinion. And in fact states the opinions expressed here do not reflect the opinions of this paper or the publisher or etc. So if you can't handle that, liberals, if that upsets you too much, I'm sorry. That's America. We can't lose focus. We have to allow every view to be spoken, not when it's spoken as fact and published as fact in a context on Facebook or the like. That should be censored. When people are being deliberately misled by statements of fact in a context that alleges to be a factual newsletter or a video of doctors talking about facts related to the virus and you find out that doctors believe in demon blood and alien DNA and whatever. And you realize this isn't fact. This needs to be removed. This is a problem. We've got quacks lying to people here because they're asserting themselves as having professional backgrounds and they really have scary, frightening histories. So we need to warn people or take this shit down. But that's different than here's an opinion of a boob that's a moron, but it's their opinion. You let it go. And I, so I applaud Jack, who runs Twitter, goes by the name Jack. I don't happen to remember his last name. Head cheese at Twitter. I admire him for letting a lot of uh, this crap go in the face of all this and having faith in the democracy, having faith in people's ability to see the truth to win out. And what we find, or so far have seen in the polls and in the overall majority of the country, is that the majority of the country is still seeing the truth. But what we also find is the majority of the country seems to still be slandering the media all the time. And I just wanted to stand up for them because I don't think they deserve all this criticism. I think, again, these are professional people, went to school for this, studied it, are working in it. They get on planes. They travel all over the place. Their jobs aren't easy. Okay? And as someone who writes regularly as part of my job and who actually studied writing in undergraduate school, it's hard to write well. It's hard to write well. And it's hard to write a lot. So anybody who writes for a living gets my respect, first and foremost. But also, you know, staying objective is an art form. And it's a requirement of the media. And I think they do a very good job. And I don't care if people think that 
Uh, NBC and CBS and CNN are all in the pocket of the left and the liberals and all that crap. Look, I do know that certain people take over newspapers like the Post-Gazette and buy them out and they have a they have a conservative bent and they start to shut down cartoonists and others who are, you know, saying anything controversial about Trump. I do know that to be a sign of not don't, you know, be very careful what you believe from that type of newspaper. But I don't think that, you know, if you look at the liberal owners of the media, the beautiful thing about being liberal and the reason both Bush presidents, Reagan, they might have criticized and had little spouts, spats with the media, but they also loved the media and respected it. George W. Bush came out just recently, well, maybe two years ago now, and when Trump was in the, you know, one of his tirades about enemy of the people, basically trying to spur up people to assassinate media members, he came out and said they, they perform a very valuable service. And though you don't always agree with what they say, and sometimes they might make mistakes, at the end of the day, they're an important part of America's checks and balances, and they are vital to keeping our democracy alive. Something to that effect is what George W. Bush said. And I guarantee you every other Republican president, aside from this boob, who's currently our quote-unquote president, would agree. So stop pretending the media are a villain. Liberals, conservatives, whoever you are. Stop pretending like they don't do a good job for the most part, because they do. Stop pretending that the few sensationalistic assholes or the mistakes that are made end up causing the whole media to be something we should laugh at and ridicule. They've had problems with sensationalism with chasing after stories to, to, to sell papers, etc., forever. Because they're human, because they are trying to make some money. But they don't fabricate stories. And when they do, they get sued and they lose. And when they, when they create stories that piss people off and they get sued, guess what else happens? They win. They win a lot. Which brings me to the movie that I recently saw that I think is right on point with what I'm trying to get through here in this podcast. Um, the movie shit. Richard Jewell was in it. I almost forgot his name because it's such a boring name. Richard Jewell. Now I'm not a big Clint Eastwood fan. I'm really not. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of him as an actor, and I'm even less of a fan as a director. Hollywood loves him. Oscar loves him. I mean, Million Dollar Baby. I believe it won Best Picture. I think it did. Also won Best Supporting Actor for Morgan Freeman. Best Actress for Hilary Swank. Best director, I think, for Clint Eastwood. I mean, I don't mind Unforgiven winning some awards. I thought that was a pretty damn authentic, good take on the Western, and it was a right. It was right to bring Clint back as a cowboy after all of his cowboy movies of the seventies. You know, to come back in the nineties with him as a, as a cowboy. It was it was a welcome, refreshing kind of revisitation of the Western via the king of westerns, really, after John Wayne and to work in Morgan Freeman, the black cowboy as a sort of a martyred figure in that movie, and the great Gene Hackman, who won an Oscar for his supporting turn as the crooked sheriff. Very well done overall. Good story. A little a little languid, languid in its tone and pacing, <laughs> but uh, well done. And I don't begrudge it uh, best picture, best screenplay, all the awards it won. I don't think it was the best picture that year, but I mean, it's fine. It was a good movie, but that's it for Clint Eastwood. I'm sorry. Everything else he's done, it's good. It's all right. It's but slow and long are the major words I'd use to describe any Clint Eastwood directed film. 
overly long and languidly paced. But um, Richard Jewell, nah, not so slow. It's okay. It's w- decently paced. Pretty well acted. In fact, um, it only got one Oscar nomination. And that was uh, the, I guess you would call her great. I don't know. The, um, I'm sorry. I'm literally forgetting everything right now in my mind. And this happens sometimes. It's called COVID dementia. You might, you might have heard about it. <laughs> COVID dementia. But uh, the Oscar nominee went to Kathy Bates, you know, who won the Oscar for Misery. And she's, a, she's one of our really good troopers. And she plays his mom in the movie, Richard Jewell's mom, and really does a nice job. She's simple and sweet and just she does a lot of crying. And he lives with his mom. And Richard Jewell at the time of all this shit was like 33, 34, still living with his mom. And, uh, you know, it's a decent performance of Richard Jewell by the chubby guy who played uh, uh, oh, he played the guy in the Tanya Harding story. The fat bodyguard, the fat, uh, you know, the guy who was, uh, uh, I guess, responsible for hiring the guy to bust her leg up, you know. Um, well, he comes back and uh, does a nice turn as Richard Jewell. But Sam Rockwell's the guy who I thought really was excellent. And I love, I love Sam Rockwell. I mean, I just think he's always plays this, he's sort of similar in a lot of his roles where he's kind of off the cuff and loosey-goosey and comical. It's a style, and maybe some people don't love it. I, I, I love it. It works for me with him. And, uh, but I think the problem, I think, why he didn't get the Oscar nomination is as the movie goes on, he becomes less the, the fighter hero, and they, they ascend, they rise up and make Richard Jewell his own hero. And Rockwell just kind of smiles and pats him on the back and is, like, proud of him. And he kind of gets weaker as the movie, at the very end of the movie, and in, in terms of how he fights for Richard Jewell. But that's mainly because, as I said, Richard starts to fight for himself more back against the FBI, mainly, and the media. But this is my point. So Rockwell was excellent, though, and I really think he deserved an Oscar nomination. If you're going to Oscar nominate that movie at all, which I really don't think it deserved any, but he was pretty damn great in it. He did get a couple awards nominations. Actually, he won one. I forget where. Uh, what state but you know every state the critics nominate people and give out awards for movies every year each state each you know some organizations and he was nominated in once one organization and then another state actually one supporting actor uh, but that was it uh, he otherwise was not recognized and um i think it was i think he's the best performer in that movie um but here's the thing is I was dreading watching it and I wasn't going to watch it because the spin on it that was that was being spun uh, everywhere was that it was a movie that takes on the media and that it was a movie about how the media put this poor security guard who found a bomb in Georgia during the Olympics, you know, at a, at a, at a concert at night in a park, Centennial Park, he finds this this duffel bag that's filled with pipe bombs and he calls people and he gets everyone he's he's a hero and at first he's lauded as a hero but then he becomes a suspect and the media just hounds him and hoards him and the media just ruins his life and makes him miserable and this poor guy did nothing wrong and fuck the media and that's the spin on the movie and so i didn't want to watch that movie 
because I, I, I don't like Clint Eastwood's political views. I happen, you know, he's more right than left leaning. And, you know, he has spoken at the Republican convention. Oh, he has taken, he's not like James Woods. He's not a radical right wing hate monger like John Voigt. But he leans right. And, you know, I don't have a lot of, I don't like the rich, successful celebrities who lean right. Because to me, they've made a ton of money. And what that means is they're greedy. They don't like Democrats because they, or liberals, because they, believe in social programs and taxing and taking their money, their rich earned money, to give it to other people. So I view these celebrities as really disgusting because they should be grateful to the to the people, the, the plebeians, if you will. They're the ones that made their career. They're the ones that made the multimillionaires. If it wasn't for the poor working class people going to their movies, spending the little that they earn on watching a movie or renting a video or whatever it was, they wouldn't be the star that they are today. So they have all these millions. And instead of being grateful to the masses and maybe doing what some of the stars do, like DiCaprio getting involved in the environment or uh, – oh, there's so many of them that, that spend their fame uh, trying to do services for the public and get involved in political – activism because they feel obligated because they feel connected to the people because they know that they have a very very lucky life you know to be able to do something you love something that's fun like acting and to be super rich and to be famous everybody wants to be your friend everybody wants to meet you you know everywhere you go you feel important you feel significant so naturally, they should be very grateful to the general public of all denominations, Republicans, Democrats, poor, wealthy, just people. They should just love people and try to help people. But that's what Democrats do. And that's what Republicans don't do. Democrats, they're famous for being empathetic, for creating programs and taxing to help people, all people. Republicans say they can fend for themselves. I did. So I really resent the rich celebrities who have used the people to become rich only to then turn around and judge those people and blame those people um, and become Republicans and want don't want to give money to those people and don't want their money taking from them via taxation to help those people. I, I, I don't like those sorts of celebrities. So I don't like Clint Eastwood. And I don't care how moderate he is in his right leanings. I just think shame on you, Clint. And by the way, he made a lot of money off of being a fascist uh, lone gunman cop. And I mean, really, if you look at Dirty Harry, it's a horrible right wing fascist story of a cop who just thinks he can go around blowing the bad guys away who half of them are black, you know. It's he's basically he, he's a part of the reason we have these cops murdering black people today because Dirty Harry was allowed to do it and he was cool and people thought it was right. And those get those black people, those rapists and those crooks, shoot them and watch them fly back into glass windows and the glass breaks up and lot one twisted in a pool of blood, you know, make his day anyway, punk, right? I mean, he would just call them all punks. And that was fine, and that was okay, and everybody loved it, and it was a big hit. And really, when you look at it, it wasn't fine. It was really a racist, fascist, 
you know, lone gunman shooter type thing that we were instilling in our society through the great Clint Eastwood. And now he turns around and becomes a director and he does other intellectual ideas and everybody says he's the greatest and they love him and he's so wonderful and he's an artist and he cares about jazz. So he really loves black people, right? Because he likes their music. He likes jazz. He is part black. Come on. He's Clint Eastwood. We all love Clint Eastwood. Anyway, at the end of the day, I say, I don't like Clint Eastwood. So I didn't want to see this movie because he's leaning right. It's an anti-media movie. So said the spin. But I watched it. And guess what? It isn't. It's a fairly, you know why it's fair? It was written by Billy Ray. who was a screenwriter who has been Oscar nominated before. He might have even won. And he's a good writer. And so he actually took the story and told it well that they're all flawed including the great Richard Jewell, the the victim here. They accurately portrayed how he was one of those pinheads, honestly, uneducated, stupid people, tons of guns, gun owner, who wanted to be a cop but couldn't hack it and wasn't any good at it and kept getting fired because he would overstep his boundaries. He would violate rights. He was a security guard for a university, and he was pulling people over on the highway. He was going into people's dorm rooms without any warrant or, and, and, and trying to bust them for drinking in, the, in their dorms. You know, he was the problem. The reason he became a suspect is because the provost or president or whoever he was of that university didn't like him because he was trying to be a hotshot, you know, cop when he wasn't. He was just a security, head of security or even just one of the security. So the guy fired Richard Jewell. And we saw in the papers that he was being lauded as hero and taking on all this, look what I did and all that. He said, oh, that guy, I believe he manufactured this because he always wanted to be seen as a hero and a great super cop, and he's not. So that provost or whatever told them, to, got brought in the FBI and told them, here's what he did here. And he did other things too in other jobs that he was fired from, including impersonating a policeman when he wasn't. So... Richard Jewell was one of those, what I would call, you know, where power trips them out, wanting more than they can be, like to bully other people, view themselves as real righteous. And he was just a doofus and a loser. And I think the movie accurately portrays him that way. I think if you watch the beginning of the movie, you don't like Richard Jewell much. If you're an intellectual or smart person or sensitive person or people, a person who believes in supporting the rights of others. I don't think you like Richard Jewell very much. And that's, see, that's good writing. And then he is lauded and praised. And then you see the people, he reaps what he sows. The bad karma he put out into the world comes back to get him. The people that he screwed over when he was overstepping his bounds and trying to be hero cop, when he actually becomes a hero, they don't like it. And so they come at him. He's in the public eye now. And then the FBI gets on board. But here's the real thing that happens. The media is bad here. Here's how. There's a really hot reporter played by Olivia Wilde. John Hams, the head HBI, H, FBI guy, they're at a bar. They're drinking. She's sexually into him. She wants to know what new thing is happening. He leaks the information that they're looking into Richard Jewell. They have sex. She publishes the story. They're looking into Richard Jewell. And boom. So it goes on and on. And John Hamm, the real, if there are any villains here, it was the FBI. I mean, they really thought he did it and they really found information. They were looking and they brought in tons of agents into his place. They took all his mother's Tupperware and everything else, trying to build a case against him and they couldn't do it. And they ended up after 88 days 
saying you were no longer a person of interest. But during those 88 days, because of the media, it being leaked to the media and the media jumping all over it, you know, his life was in chaos and he lived under a tremendous stress. But I think the movie accurately portrays it as the media doing its thing, doing its job. And sure, Olivia Wilde is a cold, heartless kind of looking for the story bitch, and some would say slut, <laughs> if you're allowed to use that word anymore, without it being some sort of you know, misogynistic comment. But they portrayed her that way, but they equally portrayed the FBI agent, a male, as being a prick who's really looking to get someone who we happen to know is innocent because he ends up, you know, as it turns out, they get the guy years later. And if you know the true story, you know Richard Jewell didn't do it. So you know when you're watching John Hamm and his FBI agents trying to trick him and fool him and get him to do this, that you know they're kind of shitty people, which cops can be. Cops can be shitty people. And guess what? They also investigate a lot of people, FBI too, who are innocent. And then they drop the case. It's normal. If you want them to find the bad guy, they got to have to look up a trail here and there that's a little wrong sometimes. And those people aren't going to like it. They're going to be investigated. They're going to go through hell. And they're innocent. That's going to happen. So what happened to Richard Jewell? He lived through it. He became a cop after it. The media did its job. They went real sensationalistic about it because it's a hell of a story, right? It's a hell of a story that a security guard who finds the bomb and is part of saving so that only one person died and like 40 were injured or whatever, part of helping that situation, he actually planted it and he's a bad guy. That's a hell of a story. But it, the media didn't make it up. In fact, you know, the FBI was believed it. In fact, there were all these lawsuits filed by Richard Jewell afterwards for libel against media types and everything. Well, guess what? It took all the dragged out all the way until 2012. Richard Jewell died uh, 2007 at the age of only 44. <clears throat> Due to, I guess, <clears throat> a heart attack or whatever caused by his diabetes, <clears throat> which they don't mention in the movie. They don't slander him by saying, hey, the fatness that you see, he actually got diabetes because of it, and then he died because of his diabetes. So, you know, he really was a bonehead enough that he killed himself, you know. And I'm, I'm someone who's overweight, so I should talk. But the point is, again, he's imperfect. Okay. Richard Jewell, the great Richard Jewell. He's not great. They did, they did kind of spin that away at the end of the movie. They don't tell you he died because of his diabetes, you know, which he caused, type 2 diabetes, which he didn't have the whole time, you know. But it, after his death, five years after his death, the case was settled by the Supreme Court. It went all the way to the Georgia Supreme Court, and guess what they ruled? The newspaper didn't do anything wrong because the story they published was true. They reported that he was a person of interest under investigation by the FBI, and he was. So these Republicans and Trump supporters and everyone else who hates the media – who are spinning the movie Richard Jewell as a story about the evil media and how they ruin people's lives and how they'll just say whatever they feel and they don't care about the truth. That's not the Richard Jewell story. I watched the movie and I didn't think that was the story of the movie. They do because it's Clint Eastwood. He does a scene near the end where the mother takes shots at the media. They do try to hold up the media as a villain near the end of that movie. It was an out-of-place scene that shouldn't have been in the fucking movie, in my opinion. If you take out that one scene where they really try to slam the media, you look at Olivia Wilde and her callousness 
you know, and the little bit of hyperness of the media. Yeah, that's not perfect. You look at the FBI guy, he's far from perfect. He leaked the information. He, he was a hard ass and he was wrong. You look at Richard Jewell, he sure wasn't perfect. He was a guy that built up a lot of bad karma and it came back and bit him in his fat ass that ended up killing him. <laughs> you know, and the only guy who seems pretty cool is lawyer, the lawyer, you know, played by my man who should have gotten an Oscar nomination. But anyway, the point of the and the mother, she seems sweet and fine by Kathy Bates, fine too. But I think at the end of the day, the movie tells a good story and it's a pretty good movie. It's a fine movie, not great, nothing special about it, but it's a fine movie worth watching. Don't be afraid of the media's evil. And, that, and if you come out of that movie and see the media's awful and it's all about the media being awful, then I guess you bought into the spin that Clint Eastwood tried to put on it. I don't think Billy Ray wrote a script about that. And I don't think that's the story of Richard Jewell. And the Supreme Court of his state of Georgia didn't think so either. That's the important part. The Supreme Court ruled finally years later because that bombing happened in 1996. It took all the way to 2012 for the Supreme Court to say, you know what? There was no libel here because the story was true. He was under investigation. So all the media, they were just reporting reality. They thought he did it. In fact, in the movie, and I don't know if this is true, but when John Hamm hands the letter um, to the lawyer with Richard Jewell there, they're at a diner sitting there eating, and John Hamm comes in, and you know it's, it's later on, 88 days, 88 days into the investigation, and he hands Sam Rockwell the letter, who plays his lawyer, Sam Rockwell, um, and the letter says we're no longer looking into you. He still says, John Hamm, real nasty, he says, hey, don't, don't kid yourself. You know, I'm still certain he did this. And he walks away. He's so proud and arrogant, he refuses to give up his belief in his gut, even though they had zero evidence that Richard Jewell did it. And he didn't. So is that the media? That's the FBI. And does it mean the FBI is awful and evil? No. It means they made a mistake. But they did, they're trying to do their job. And they eventually got the guy. It took them a couple bombings later. And I think the guy surrendered. I forget how they got the actual bomber. But and a couple years later, I think. It took a couple years past 96. But, but 88 days. Come on. I've been through worse periods of time in my life than 88 days. I've been persecuted and looked after incorrectly and treated wrong by people in power for longer than 88 days. Maybe not on the news every day. Maybe not on TV. But at the same time. You know, he became a story because of what he did. And he was investigated as being then maybe a bad guy because of what he had done in his life before. Them's the breaks. You know, he went up, the media rose him up, and then the media took him down because he was involved in a newsworthy story, a big story. The media did their job. They did a good story on him being a hero. Then when he was under investigation, M was the chief sus suspect in the bombing. They did their job. And it was a hot story. And the people wanted to know. And the people got their juicy story. And then when it turned out he didn't do it, the people got bored and they turned away. Look, this isn't about the media being objective, this or not. This is about people, you know, wanting blood. But also wanting the truth in a drastic, important story. They want the truth don't blame the media when, it, when a story they're pursuing is the truth, but then it ends up not being real. But it was the truth. The story of the FBI investigating him was true. 
All the uh, interviews and stuff, we're trying to get to the bottom of it, too. And eventually, they did get to the bottom of it. In the meantime, he went through hell. But guess what? He became a cop later. He rose above it, you know, and he killed himself with his diabetes. (laughs) I hope, knock on wood, that doesn't happen to me just because I said that and took a shot at poor Richard. But so the overall point, and I'll wrap things up here, is why are we spinning everything against the media? Why are people looking at Richard Jewell and spinning the message of the movie into something that it isn't really? Everyone's criticized in that movie, including Richard, in my opinion. Why has it become a story about the media sucking? Why, why is it okay to, to bash? If we lose them, we'll, won't, we won't know anything. If we don't have insiders digging into information and including getting anonymous sources to spill some very important things out to us, look at what's happening with Trump. How could people say it's the media's fault? Look at the shit he's doing. If it wasn't for the journalists and media finding out half this shit because of their efforts, we, our country would be super screwed right now. We're already screwed. But imagine, imagine the horrors that would be befalling us if we didn't have the media there being our watchdog, protecting us from the wrongs that those that have the power and the money are committing. We need them. They're extremely important to the integrity and restoration of a democracy after we wrangle control back of America. They are are really at the front lines, more so than the Senate and the Congress, more so than the police, really. I mean, look look at what, you wanna blame the media for the wrong they do because of things they spin. Well, how about the wrong the cops do when they murder? How about the wrong the politicians do when they pass laws that take money out of your pocket and give it to millionaires? They take your tax dollars and they use them on what they want, like military weapons. But then they reduce tax dollars taken from the rich people and give them all kind of benefits. What, what, you know, what about the wrongs, the flaws in President Trump or in crooked politicians or in the police? And then compare that to the wrongs of the media, which you think that this reporter might be liberal, so their story might be a lie because they're probably trying to influence you to think their way of thinking because that's what you'd do because you're a self-centered idiot who never studied journalism. And if the camera was on you, you'd just tell lies and be Donald Trump and try to spin it with whatever you could so that your stupid viewpoint would be the viewpoint of everyone. You think that's what the media is? Look, if you think that they're just a bunch of crooked morons like you, just shut the fuck up. Leave the media alone because they could run circles around you. These people have educations at prestigious universities. They can speak in sentences that you couldn't even understand. They could probably say words backwards that you can't spell forwards. Leave them alone. There are people trying to do their job and they're doing them pretty damn good. And they're trying to stay objective. It's the, it's the art of a journalist is to try to stay objective as much as possible, even when they're being attacked, even when they're being called the enemy of the people, even when the president of the United States is literally inciting violence against them. They're just doing their jobs. They're going out there, lives on the line, literally nowadays, doing their jobs. 
maintaining objectivity, intelligently seeking out the truth and presenting it to you. You can call it a lie if you want to, but you're wrong. I'd say 90% of the time you're dead wrong. There's not bias there. There's not slanting. There's objectivity. There's journalism there, dumbass. Something you don't know a damn thing about, so shut the fuck up. That's my feeling on the situation of today's journalists. I think many of us need to shut the fuck up. Let them do their job, trust in them, be happy we have them. They are very, very much uh, a savior right now. They are one of the few reasons that we still have a hold, a tenuous hold on our democracy in this country. Give them a little credit, would you? Let's stand up for the journalists of today, okay? Our very lives depend on it. I love you. Yabba da boop